Welcome back to the All Things Sports Podcast, Season 2, Episode 21. I'm your host, Julian. My co-host, Justin, is here. Yo. Special night, NFL free agent night. Antoine Adani here tonight. We was, like, excited to all record this episode. He came down. So I don't know what's happening. The Thursday is getting y'all boys, but, you know, I'm a survivor, so I don't have to worry about that. Back into this NFL free agency, we was talking about last week, you know, thinking about where is Le'Veon Bell going to sign? We have the answer to that. Antonio Brown was still, I believe, on the Steelers this time last week. Yeah. Um, we figured out what happened there. Some other big moves with looking at uh, Earl Thomas got his check, right? Golden Tate got a check. OBJ not even on the team anymore. So Nick Foles found his team got a check. A check, check. 100 mil included incentives. So, I mean, we can get into the Antonio Brown situation first because that's, if not the biggest free agency, or not free agency, but off-season move right now. Because um, in my opinion, I, I think he he sparked a bigger... Ooh, that's, I'm, I'm thinking out loud right now. But who sparked the bigger controversy in Pittsburgh? Le'Veon actually sitting out a year? Or Antonio Brown with, like, antics? I feel like Antonio Brown because Le'Veon, it was more, I feel like when Le'Veon did it, it was more about Le'Veon. Like, Le'Veon was preserving himself. He want, Everybody knew what he wanted. He wanted to get money. He right. felt like he knew what he was worth. Steelers didn't think, you know, didn't agree with him. I feel like with Antonio, his problems weren't just about him. It kind of put the whole organization on yeah. notice. And then you started seeing other things start coming up about the owner, Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin, etc. It was like a whole domino effect that was... Multiple parties involved. Yeah, but Le'Veon, it was just Le'Veon. Right. And, he, and also Le'Veon handled it in a way where he was like, all right, bet. Steelers were like, all right, bet. Yeah, like his actions spoke less than his words. We really didn't hear from Le'Veon. Like once he decided to set up, we didn't. Exactly. We didn't. We heard nothing. He from fell him. off. He just yeah. did him. He was like, I obviously I'm not playing this year. He missed out on a good amount of money, fourteen point five million. And then, you know, now he signs with the Jets. Like I said, we'll get into that. Um, we are going to talk about this Antonio Brown situation. Like John Gruden. Felt like he needed to make a splash, in my opinion, this offseason. Something had to happen because last year was an embarrassment to the Raiders organization, um, to John Gruden's career. And it was a big, like, wake-up call. Like, whoa. this division just woke up. Mm -hmm. uh, if the Broncos get a quarterback, that leaves us in last. Uh, and they, technically, they can be in last right now. But, you know, with Antonio Brown going over there, I think they have a chance to be a better team than the Broncos. Nonetheless, John Gruden knew what was up. He needed to make a splash. What happens? He goes out and wins the sweepstakes. Um, Antonio Brown is happy. You know, he got traded to the Bills, supposedly. And then the Bills had to switch it up because they weren't going to agree to his terms of contract details. Mm -hmm. So they bumped out and step in Oakland. Like, that's a Mark Davis trade. You know what I mean? Mark Davis would have made that trade <laughs> probably before Gruden and, and um, Mike Mayock did. And shout out to Mike Mayock and John Gruden because they did a good job with that trade. Uh, they obviously won it. If you mm -hmm. want to share the details. 
they gave Pittsburgh a third and a fifth. And then I think that was pretty much it. Just third and fifth. Third and a fifth. And yeah, third and a fifth. That's all it was. Because the reason it was taking so long is because Steelers were hoping and holding out to try to get that that first. Obviously, that wasn't happening. They tried to get that second. wasn't going to happen. So it finally just came down to it, and they, they realized what they were going to get. Um, and we talked about it. I think we talked about it a little bit last week and the week prior about with Antonio Brown's antics, how he kind of devalued himself. For sure. So they just came down, and, they, you know, they realized – and plus, you know, you got to look at the market. Everybody always looks at the market value. Even though Antonio Brown is the best receiver in the league, he's proven in the past six years, people are going to look at that 31 uh, years of age. So, you know, you're going to get a market value for... But do uh, you think, like, not to cut you off or anything, but are you looking at Antonio Brown going into this year like Antonio Brown's 31 years old? Or are you looking at Antonio Brown as the first thing you said? He's led the league. He's been the best wide receiver in the league. He's had the most touchdowns in the league for the last six years. Mm -hmm. Like, how are we looking at this guy? We're not going to just, oh, you know, he's 30 years old, 31 years old. Like, no, we're looking at him like he's Antonio Brown. He's in his prime right now. And I think he still can go to Oakland and have a good, healthy three years and ball out like he's doing right now. No, I'm looking at it as just the mm-hmm. points you just made. But when you look at it from a business standpoint, and you're trying to get trying to gain leverage, and you try to you know make a point because obviously you're trying to get the most for less. I get what you're saying. So from a business standpoint, you're gonna use you're gonna use it as leverage. But yeah, of course, I don't okay. think. Yeah, I was just making sure. Yeah. Oh no, of course not. I don't think his age has anything to do with his productivity or what he's gonna do in Oakland. But Oakland's gonna use it obviously as a, you know. A leg up in their negotiations. Yeah, they definitely stole the trade um, trade market with this. Like, and then it set the tone for another big wide receiver in Odell Beckham. Where oh man, this had like this was like NBA summer type deal. You know, like NBA this, this Twitter was, when it gets crazy. Yeah, this was like Kevin Durant signing with yeah, Golden State. Crazy. That was wow. That's a good. It's a good comparison. But, yeah, but for football. Because once this happened, I was but, like... But it's a trade. That's the yeah. thing. It's not free agency. That's how crazy the NBA is to the NFL. Like, compared, you know, like for free agency in the NFL, we're kind of like just waiting for these guys to go somewhere else. And we see, and it's like, all right, cool. But with the NBA, it's like they sign a contract with a team, and you're like, wow. They traded Odell Beckham mm-hmm. for a first-round pick a third and round. a third-round pick and Jabril Peppers. Mind you, that first it's so crazy because normally that first round pick, if you trade it with Cleveland, would probably be a top five pick. This year it's the number seventeen pick. <laughs> That's the Baker Mayfield effect. That's what having the number one pick and the number one the uh, excuse me, the number one pick and the number four pick mm-hmm. turned them into the number seventeen pick, twenty nineteen. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You'd hope you'd hope so, you know, like we saw Hugh Jackson got fired. We saw Baker Mayfield come in Thursday night versus the Jets. We saw the Browns win their first game in over a year and a half at home. And, and that was, what was that? No, they went 7-8-1. Do you count that? as No, no you don't count that as 500 because they, they have more losses than, right. than wins. But it's that, That's 600 you, for the yeah, Browns. Yeah, that's, but with that one time, that, that's damn close. Listen, that's probably like that's playoffs for the Browns. Point right there. four nine nine right there. 
Oh yeah, that's playoffs. That was their playoff season. They made a late playoff run in, in Browns in the Browns' mind. But going into this year, they added Odell Beckham Jr. They've added Kareem Hunt, who's still on the uh, commissioner's exemplist, but mm-hmm. we all know he's getting off. Um, they've also added uh, Olivier Vernon. Olivier Vernon. They've also added Sheldon Richardson. So we can talk about four different acquisitions for the Browns right now in one, what, one week of free agency? A lot of people said that when they did the trade with Olivia Vernon, that's what opened up the gates to conversations about uh, Odell Beckham. Because uh, the Giants, they weren't, it was a weird situation because the Giants weren't openly shopping they weren't openly shopping uh, Odell, but they were open, uh, openly listening to trade offers because uh, it had gotten released when they were in talks or potential talks with Bill Belichick and the Patriots last season about oh, okay. Odell. Okay. So since then, it was kind of on everybody's... Put it this way, it was like if you were in within the inner circles of the NFL, you knew kind of what, what was going on. Right. So the Giants, yeah, the Giants didn't want to make it public and say, hey, you know, we're open to listening, you know, like how obviously. For sure, for sure. They didn't want to make it a big deal. But if, you know, but their lines were definitely open if you had something to offer, then. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're dumb. Like, because in my opinion, if I'm the Giants and that's, if that's what you're going to get, I would rather be open. And I'd rather say, listen, best offer wins, right? How are you going to go under the table and come out with a, Degrade offer. It wasn't even so much that. It was so much. I don't understand what their C grade offer. I don't C grade offer understand. for sure. No, it was a, it was, no, it was a D plus. Okay. okay, I give it a D plus. Okay, I thought I was being mean. No, I don't because I don't understand what the urgency was in trading him now. Because I don't believe like let's say because I think they said Forty uh, ers were also uh, giving giving them uh, offers. So if it's between the 49ers and Cleveland, even if Cleveland did give you, I'm pretty. I don't know if this was Cleveland's first offer or, or what the case is. But I just don't see, and if this was that their first offer or their best offer, I don't see this changing. Let's say a week or two from now. So why not give other teams, like you said, give other teams a chance exactly. to join the sweepstakes? But you're and then saying you can always just come back. You're to, even saying from last year with the Patriots, like if you've been quietly open to trading Odell Beckham, how did you come out with this? You know, Jabril Peppers. He, you know, he's a young player. He was a first round pick. He's a smaller safety. He's a playmaker in college. He's a returner. He's versatile. I'll put it at that. And if the, if the Giants can develop him, good for them. The number 17 pick and a third rounder for Odell Beckham. Like, you drafted this guy, and he's 26 years old. Like you say, he's just entering his prime. He's been hurt. He still has fresh legs. You're going to get a new quarterback. You have Saquon Barkley. You could have gotten the Kyler Murray effect, as I was trying to explain to y'all boys the other week. Mm-hmm. But no. You think Dwayne Haskins wants to even probably be in New York right now? He's probably going to, like... <laughs> Something's gonna happen. You gonna smoke weed real quick? <laughs> Get caught before the draft? He's, he's gonna hold a Slip. pro day and yeah, tank, he's, he's gonna, gonna tank the pro day. Yeah, something because the Giants just they traded Vernon. 
You know, so they basically traded Vernon, Odell, uh, the first. Well, they let go of Landon Excuse Collins. Me. Yeah, and they let Landon Collins walk. I mean, I don't know. Did somebody tell the Giants that they have a tag they can use? Like every team gets one. Landon uh, Collins, before they even had the opportunity to place the franchise tag, was saying bye to his teammates. So he knew he was walking out. So that could have been like them saying, all right, well, we're not going to force you to stay here. But then again, why not do that and then do the D forward where you trade him? Exactly. So let's get into D forward. You thought it was dirty. It's business. It is business. It's business. And I just called it, I just called it what it was, but at the end of the day, yeah, you're right, it's business. Nah, it, it, it's a little low. I'll, I'll put it at that. It's just because with the franchise, like... I don't know. I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of the franchise tag. Yeah, it like limits players. Uh, uh, how do you say this? Like freedom in a sense. Yeah, it's, because it's, 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 it's you don't it's know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. You you get to the end of your contract and it's like, well, this is not my decision. Like the end of my contract technically relies on if they want to keep me, whether I did good or whether I didn't, mm-hmm. whether I have value, whether I don't. Whether I'm healthy, whether I'm not, like all this stuff years later is gonna come back from your rookie, you know, deal. Put they signed these yeah. deals when they was rookies, man. I mean, I put it this way: I feel like if a team franchise tags you, then you know where, how they feel about you, and and what uh, number on their priority list you are. That's that's what that's what I feel about it because yeah. you have teams like. Uh, the Bears, as soon as they signed Khalil Mack, had no problem giving them that money, giving them that extension. Uh, Todd Gurley, they weren't even going to let Todd Gurley touch the market. Weren't going to let Aaron Donald, weren't even thinking about letting Aaron Donald touch the market. Like, you see where you are on the team's priority list. So, I mean, you did mention that the Chiefs are, um, not the Chiefs. I'm sorry, I was going to throw in some whole other stuff. But back to the D4 trade. I think it's a good trade for the 49ers. My only problem is that San Francisco's been drafting in the top 10, even the top five, consecutively for like the last four or five years almost. Definitely at least three of them. And they've been going D-line, D-line. And they're still looking for D-linemen. And a lot of the mock drafts, now that they have Arizona taking Kyler Murray, they they still have... uh, well, they now have the 49ers taking Bosa. Right, because Bosa was going to go to Arizona in all the mock drafts before this whole Kyler Murray... Just took over and just... Well, I don't yeah. even remember when that really started because Nick Bosa was, was, was favorite. It was the combine because... Was it? I think yeah, it was before the combine. No, because a lot of people were asking how much does he weigh, what's his height, his right, hand size, all, and then once all those questions got answered, they were like, okay. Right, now, now, because now that's all, Cliff Kingsbury, they pulled yeah. the clips back saying, hey, you said you would take him number one if you could. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so then once he answered all the questions, obviously we've all seen the, the guys are living highlight reel. We've all seen the tapes. We've all seen the games, the highlights. Right. So once all those questions are answered, you're like, all right, then now you're just looking at him for what he is and the skill that he possesses and what he brings to the table. Right. Back to the D Ford real quick. Like you said, they did give him that contract extension. You know, it was five years, ninety million. He cashed out, and they only gave up a second round pick. 
the 49ers did to the Chiefs in 2020, not even this year's draft. So with a deep defensive uh, draft this year, you can still find some talent in that second round. Some especially, big especially on guys that you know, defensive guys on the line of scrimmage. Exactly. That's a great trade for um, 49ers, in my opinion. I think it's a great trade for both teams because you know Chiefs, they're. With Spagnola, they were in a three-four last year. They changed into a four-three. That's why they. That's why they're trading. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, that's why they're trading D four. That's why they let go of uh, Justin Houston. And obviously, you know, they just they had their wits end with with Eric Berry. That wasn't working out anymore, so they had to let him go. So Spagnola's trying to get his pieces assembled and try to get his defense right to match or try to keep up with the offensive production that they have. Kansas City lost a corner, Steven Nelson, <laughs> which I think is good because now they have to actually get somebody better. You know, he went to Pittsburgh. I don't understand Pittsburgh for, for signing him three years, 22 or $25 million because your defensive backs are – I'll say your defensive backfield is depleted. I'll put it like that. And you – I just don't get it. I don't get it. Steven Nelson, you need a cornerback. There's Jason Verrett was available. Ronald Darby's still available. Granted, you know, not healthy, but you've seen the production. There's corners in the draft that you can get. You can spend money elsewhere on a position because it's not the only position you need. So I don't get it from the Steelers, but Kansas City did the right thing of not (laughs) giving them another contract. I wanted to talk about the Ravens, though, because with talking about the Browns and how they just juiced up overnight, (laughs) really, the Ravens, like, juiced down. (laughs) Slowly. I I wouldn't even know the term for that. Like, they they literally just deflated, I'll say. Yeah. Um, Defensively, they had the best defense in the league last year, one of the best run games last year. Now... They lose C.J. Mosley to New, uh, to the New York Jets. They also lose Eric Weddle to the Los Angeles Chargers. They lose Darius well, Smith. The Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams, I said Chargers. He used to play on the Chargers. That's mm-hmm. why that came in my head. Uh, Darius Smith signed with Green Bay. And Terrell Suggs went and signed with Arizona, which that in its own could be like I feel like a whole podcast episode with why Terrell Suggs left the Baltimore era. You know, I I think that's what NFL players, side note real quick, like NFL players just want as much money as they can toward the tail end of their careers. Like, that's kinda like I don't with, care with about with my adult, legacy yeah. as far as, you know, like the, the dying years of my career. Yeah. Who's going to pay me the most money at this point right now, guaranteed? So back to Baltimore, they did acquire Earl Thomas, right? Hall of Famer. Great player. He coming off an injury in a messed up situation last year was, in my opinion, the best defensive back in the Legion of Boom era. Mm-hmm. Um, Camp Chancellor, shout outs to Camp Chancellor. But he comes to Baltimore and he's going to try to have to fill a void of, all right, I have to be the leader of this defensive backfield. Because, you know, Eric Weddle, I'm sure, was. Right. You know, Tony Jefferson's a, a good veteran um, safety. But 
Earl Thomas has been there. Earl Thomas has done that. They lose a guy like C.J. Mosley, your middle linebacker, who was a leader on defense. They lose Terrell Suggs, who was probably the leader on, you know, the general defensive side. Um, it's going to be tough for them to, to try to make a playoff push again. You know, they snuck in the playoffs, as the Colts did with the wild card. And this year, their offense got worse. They lost Michael Crabtree. They lost John Brown to Buffalo Bills. Alex Collins had that incident with the with the car crash, and they they released him. I didn't even read details on that or anything. But they did. Sucks. Man. End up signing uh, Mark Ingram. That's a good signing, and they and they re-signed their tight end Nick Boyle, mm-hmm. who would have been the best tight end on the market this year. But like I said, Lamar Jackson is going to have a sophomore year where he's going to have to try to. Really do everything in his power to not go through that slump, right? Like, there was a running back I want to get into later. Oh, Saquon Barkley. Where I think he's going to have that Todd Gurley sophomore slump. And I'll explain why later, but back to um, Lamar Jackson. It's going to be tough. You know, John Harbaugh, just he re-signed with them, right? He got a new contract with the Ravens. I'm actually not sure. I think so. I'm, if, if I'm not mistaken, John Harbaugh has a new contract with the Ravens. And he believes that, you know, he's the leader of this team. He's the quarterback to be for the franchise because, you know, he gave his job to him. He took it from Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco got shipped to Denver. And that's another story. But I just don't know how the Ravens, you know, go about this season. Regardless, I think the Browns are the favorite easily in the AFC North this year with the roster they have on paper. We don't really need to see it. The defense got better on paper. We don't need to see it on film. We see that Pittsburgh lost Antonio Brown. Pittsburgh lost Le'Veon Bell. And Pittsburgh also lost um, a lot of respect, I'm sure, from Ben Roethlisberger in the locker room. Maybe some younger guys. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe some guys that were on A-B side. You know, some guys that, that really like Le'Veon, and now the Steelers organization is kind of just showing true colors in a sense. Um, and then you have Cincinnati, who doesn't progress. So, yeah. I mean, they, they finally let go of Marvin Lewis, so... That's progression in itself. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how far that gets them. But no, you're 1,000% right. Uh, Baltimore is clearly only one team... I mean, yeah, only one team out of this division is going to make the playoffs. It's going to be the Browns. Baltimore, they hung their hat on their defense. Their defense is definitely, even with the addition of Earl Thomas, who I'm a big fan of, always have been. He's exceptional. Um, But I don't think that's going to be enough, especially when you take into account, like you said, you had the number one defense last year, lost a lot, and then... Hung their hat on their on their uh, run game as well. We'll see how Mark Ingram does now that he's the feature back because we've seen a lot of with him splitting carries with uh, Alvin Kamara, who's also a Pro Bowl. My thing back. with that is that I don't know if that was the best thing for Mark Ingram. Can he be the feature back? Can he be yeah. at this age, at this time in his career? Can he be that guy requiring? All the defense's attention, especially on a team like the Ravens where they're run first, 
super run first. Always have. Even their quarterback is run first. Um, and run first in the perspective of design run. Not We talked about this. It. not, you know, he's pulling the ball down and just not going through his progressions. The team is basing run plays through the running back and Lamar Jackson 50%, 60% of the time. Mm-hmm. So is Mark Ingram going to be able to, to keep that consistency level up not coming off, you know, and getting a big play from Kamara and letting him take over some games. and You know what I mean? You do believe so. I'm just not sure. I'm not saying no. Oh, you're talking about Mark Ingram's production? Right. Oh, no. I was, no, I agree with you. Oh, okay. No, I was, okay. Just, okay. No, I was just saying, I was just bringing, that, that's the point I was making now that he doesn't have an Alvin Kamara. How will he do? He is at that age, you know, with running backs. They're supposed to typically fall off. And Mark Ingram, even though he's a solid running back, he's not an, you know, top five, top ten running back. So I would have to believe typically with, you know, being 30, 31 at, at, you know, that running back age, I do see his production falling off. He does have, well, he has shown uh, issues staying healthy. Right. And especially with... Um, the Ravens having typically no really support in the, in the past game. Right. Um, it's going to make them very one-dimensional. So It's I crazy. Just, this this division was, was literally one of the best in football last year. And overnight, as I said, again, it's just the deflation. Deflation of the AFC North like like we haven't seen. It's been the Browns, you know, consistently horrible – the Bengals were that team that, you know, can make it one year and then a few years they're just eh, coasting through like a Dolphins team in a sense. They're kind of like little brother trying to get up on, on right. the other brothers. Right, and they, can, yeah. and they can win. You know, they can win those games in the regular season. Right. It'll make it competitive. The Browns never were. But now it's just like the Browns took the division and it's a long time coming and then Steelers fall off. They have no receiving. They have no defensive backs. They got Big Ben. I mean, he had a great year last year, but he's got no weapons. And I haven't seen Big Ben with no weapons. He's got James Conner, and that's all I can say. He got James Conner. I haven't seen Big Ben. He's got Juju. Juju's not a number one. He was not yet. Not yet. Juju's not a number one yet. All that double team. They have. They just re-signed Eli Rogers. They have Ryan Switzer. And I don't know who their fourth wide receiver is. Juju's going to require a lot of attention. He's going to get it. It's him and James Conner show. And it's up to him. I'm not saying he can't do it. Right. I just don't think right now, especially fresh first year in that offense, being that guy, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard for him to just take on the double teams and, and play, you know, no knock on Juju. He has the talent to do it, but it's going to be tough. I don't think this year is going to be a great year production-wise. I mean, production-wise, yes, because I feel like they're just going to have to go to him that much, but maybe conversion-wise, right? Okay, that's what you're saying. Like, in that aspect. Uh, I I wanted to jump back to the Oakland Raiders. I know we're kind of bouncing around the NFL, but that's what free agency kind of is like. You know, you're getting alerts. This team and breaking news here, other news here, trade. So Oakland went and signed Trent Brown from New England. He was a free agent. Um, four years, 66.8, 36.8 of that guaranteed money. Oof. You don't like that deal. I don't. Because we've seen one year of production 
and it's in New England. Now, typically when linemen leave New England, they don't typically have a great career or, you know, year of play following. Nate Soldier is the latest uh, right. of, of that. So, I mean, a, a lot, yeah, a lot of the, the linemen that come out of New England are typically a product of the system. And like I said, we've only seen one year. I mean, I understand Oakland was probably in the sense or in the in the market where they had money to spend, right? And they clearly needed to get help at line. And we, you know, we talked about it. Derek Carr was sacked forty nine times last year. You can't have. Yeah, you I can't, know how that feels. Yeah, you can't have. So do I. You can't have your franchise quarterback throwing from his back. I don't care who you are. Especially if you, you got a that. guy like Antonio Brown, who's a deep threat, who's a, a threat everywhere, but. Mm-hmm. You need to get him open. And, yeah, you need a guy like Trent Brown. He could be a product of the system, but I do think John Gruden, at the end of the day, is a good coach, right? I think the Raiders feel like they have something special to to try to hold on to right now for these next coming years. So it's something that they're buying into. It's not like... I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like Trent Brown can be a really good fit in Oakland. I mean, he's protecting the quarterback, and that's the most important job in the NFL. If you ask me, he's got a big check. He's got to live uh, up to it. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, that and they said he could play either left or right. So, and he's versatile. Yeah. Look at that. So, win-win for for both the Patriots losing him and the Raiders getting him because the Patriots did draft Isaiah Win last year, and he tore his ACL, I think. Right. I believe so. That's how it, they just haven't. But I feel like with the Patriots, can you ever really say they're losing? I mean, we've seen them do this so many times, let go of star players on the upcoming exactly. trade. Trade flowers. Yeah, trade star players on the upcoming. They just, next one that steps up, will keep some. Fills the job, in, yeah. Bill Belichick is a system guy. He's a believe in me and, 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 and work hard and it'll happen guy. Um, he doesn't care what your name is. He don't care what you look like. He's going to get the most out of you. And if he doesn't, he shifts you off or he lets you walk. The choice is yours with Bill Belichick. What other moves did you want to get into? I know that uh, Trey Flowers, as we said, he did sign with Detroit. You know, Matt Patricia, I'm sure he misses Hmm. just playing with a New England defense and having you know, really talented players on the roster. And not to say that Detroit doesn't because they do have a Darius Slay. They do have a Ziggy Ansah last year, I'm saying. Um, they do have a, uh, what's his name, safety? Diggs? What's his name? Oh, yeah, I think it is Diggs. Clinton Diggs? Yeah, 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 I think, I think, I believe so. I know who you're talking about. No, they- no, no. Yeah, Glover Quinn. Is he another one? He's probably another one. They don't have a horrible defense is what I'm saying. is yeah. My point is that Trey Flowers coming over from New England is, like, game-changing. He's a rusher. We saw what he did last year. Matt Patricia can only get the best out of him as well if anybody's going to do it. Um, I'm sure he's going to have that respect for Matt Patricia as a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also signed – Not to, what were you going to say? No, I'm just saying, you know, we've seen it. I mean, we see it every free agency, but you're seeing if you look at, you know, what teams are signing, what positions, 
it just shows you got to build within the division. They want to got a pass rusher. Why? Because you got to get after Aaron Rodgers. You have to get out of get after a Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky. Yep. You got to get after a uh, Kirk Cousins. So it's, it's yeah, it's a, good, it's a good move for them. And obviously, like you said, he went to a place and a system where he feels comfortable, and he you know, and being with Matt Patricia, he could have came and been you know reunited with. Uh, Brian Flores, but the funnier signing to me was Danny Amendola. That was another one. Yeah, was, I, I just think Matt Patricia is kind of having a nostalgic moment. He misses being a defensive coordinator in the Super Bowl. You know, he misses putting his arms around Belichick and shaking, you know, hands with Stephon Gilmore. He misses that, right? So when a guy has a chance to sign somebody, you know, he's used to in the locker room, he knows how they act in the locker room, yeah, I'm sure he's going to go get him because Trey Flowers might have got one of the biggest contracts out here. Mm-hmm. You know, Danny Amendola, one of the cheapest contracts out here. So he worked, it, it just worked out for him. It was pretty funny to me how that worked out for the Patriots. As far as the Dolphins, what didn't work out is the quarterback situation. And maybe for the better, in, in a sense of God's plan, like you thought Teddy Bridgewater was for you, but he's not. And you thought Tyrod Taylor could be for you, but he isn't. You know, maybe that's for the better of the future because Teddy Bridge QB, you know, he'd be the bridge. He wouldn't be the long-term starter franchise quarterback. Neither would Tyrod Taylor. And I think that's why he didn't sign because he just was in a situation with New York last year where he got brought on. He was expected to compete for the starting job. They drafted Sam Darnold, falls to the third spot on the depth chart. So then he gets shipped off to New Orleans where he can sit behind Drew Brees for another two to three years and then get the keys to the kingdom. And learn. And then he probably came to Miami realizing that a lot of talk has been looking towards the draft class of next year, looking towards a Tua Tagovailoa, looking towards a Justin Herbert. And probably looking at the roster. It's like, do I want to be here? I mean, that too. It depends on, you know. Do I want to play at home in a dome or in 90 degrees? I don't know if that crosses one. But, but it could have. But I do think it was majority, you know, yeah, I think it was long-term more, situation. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, do I want to be a starting quarterback where I grew up? Or do I want to back up Drew Brees for a couple years? Who knows how many more years? Because I mean, we could wait another four years. Or Drew Brees is, what, 38? Oh, no, I think he's turning 39. So maybe two years, two more years, three more yeah, years. Yeah, well, I mean, they signed him to a two-year right. deal. So like I said, you got another... Two, maybe three years, and then all rights. Yeah, like this ain't his last contract. <laughs> Put it like that. But I respect Bridgewater for doing that, having that decision. You know, you, you want to feel like you can grow with a franchise, and he's still young himself, you know, and he still needs developing himself. I don't know if he's ready to be that starting quarterback in the NFL and, and really take that role on as a winner. I do. Because, yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen it. The only reason he lost his job was because of injury. But uh, then coming back to a situation like Miami where, you know, you guys aren't going to be winning anything for the next two, three years minimum, you know, it's going to hurt his self-esteem and his confidence when he sees that you guys are winning six games, losing to the Jets, you know what I mean, maybe losing, splitting with the Bills, like you said. 
yeah. winning, winning, winning in New Orleans as a backup. I mean, yeah, it, it builds it, confidence. Yeah, it, I mean, it all comes down to priorities because you have people like uh, Tyron Matthew who you know who said, you know, forget making money. I want to win. So he went and signed with the Chiefs, who he already knows have a prolific offense. The so, best offense. So let me try to hold this defense down and boast of this defense. And then you have a people like a Le'Veon Bell who cash rules everything around them. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. And on that note, we'll, talk, we'll keep talking a little bit of Le'Veon. So Le'Veon... <laughs> I forgot about that. I totally So forgot. Le'Veon didn't break the market as he wanted to. He wanted to really open up a new market and say, hey, I'm not just a running back. I'm a playmaker. I can run the ball. I can pass block. I can catch the ball out of the backfield. I can line up in the slot. You know what I think he forgot? I think he forgot that the NFL is a what have you done for me lately. And he realized that with his contract because we haven't seen him play in over a year. So, yeah, you're a playmaker. But when you was making plays? Because we ain't seen you make a play in a minute. Also, and I know we've seen Zeke making plays. Mm-hmm. I know we've seen Todd Gurley making plays. My boy James Conner made some plays. Saquon Barkley just came in making some plays. But Why we need you to make some plays? Also, I think you forgot that this is the NFL. And they're very close-minded. So, mm. no, no matter what you want to say... Very uh, on the depth chart, it's gonna have you as running back. Yeah, this this is in college where you can be listed as athlete. You're listed as <laughs> running back. So we don't remember your forty time. We don't remember what you did at the combine. You're in your fifty. But no disrespect to Le'Veon Bell. Oh, of we know not. this guy was definitely the best running back in football when he left. Before he left, and right now. He's there's a, there's a one through five, mm-hmm. and he's just outside of it right now, just waiting. And as he plays, we're going to just plug him in, and people are either going to go up from there or down. And that's what it is. Right. So he has a chance right now to, to really show how great of a player he is if he comes to New York and turns around a franchise and gives them the running game they haven't had since Curtis Martin and, and makes plays like he was when they had you know success in Pittsburgh in the last – four years of his career um his offensive line is not going to be as good as the one in pittsburgh i know at least this year but can he make those plays can can he make the plays that he's saying he makes and if he does then he just established himself as literally probably one of the greatest running backs of all time if he can do it in new york what he did in pittsburgh consecutively because what he did in pittsburgh alone is is like whoa you know, so to sit out was was odd. He tried to do it for the better of his career, but as you get into that, the numbers didn't pan out like he exactly thought for. He wanted what sixteen million a year, fifteen minimum. Yeah, he wanted. Yeah, he wanted fifteen uh, a year, aiming for sixteen. I believe the contract was fifty-two for four years. Fifty-two and a half, I think. Yes, yeah, fifty-two. Yeah, something around there. So we'll say fifty-two for four years. So that's at 13 a year, but it has a ceiling of 61. Okay. So I guess that includes incentives, right. X amount of yards, things like that. I want to read that one day or whenever I get the chance, and I want to see if it's actually attainable. Like, did he agree to 
Because he got, what, $32 million guaranteed? I think 35 35 Yeah, I think it was $35 million guaranteed. Um, so that's good for him. But I want to see if it's actually doable to live out this entire contract. Um, because if, like I said, if he's that playmaker, like he said, not like I said, if he, he's that playmaker and he signed a contract to where if he makes more plays, he can get more money and he wants all that money, this is really going to tell. It's going to tell a lot. You know, Sam Darnold can really grow his career from here. Having a running back, you know, having a good slot receiver. They just signed Jamison Crowder to the New York Jets, mm-hmm. right? Having a good defense. They just signed C.J. Mosley. They also signed um, – what's this guy's name? Who else did they sign? Well, no, they were going to sign Anthony Barr. Right. But then Anthony Barr – Decided to. You're supposed to go with it. It was like they signed him, but then they didn't. (laughs) So, because the NFL has that legal tender uh, tampering period, I said tender. Yeah. (laughs) Legal tampering period for two days. This year was the 10th through the 12th, where teams talk to players and they kind of agree in principle on deals and say this, say that. But four o'clock on the 13th this year was the new NFL season. And at the end of the day, if there's nothing on paper, you can do whatever you want. And Anthony Barr said he followed his heart, and he ended up back in Minnesota after agreeing to terms with the Jets, meeting with them. I'm sure he did a little workout with them. It's crazy. But in hindsight, if they would have, if Anthony Barr would have decided to stay, could they have had the money to sign a Le'Veon Bell? Correct. So maybe in essence it worked out for them. I think they would have, though. No, I do think they would have because the Jets definitely had, like, top three cap space this year. And given Le'Veon... Well, C.J. Mosley took a lot of that, too. C.J. Mosley, and then you got to think they traded for... I just don't think it would have been smart. They probably would have been able to do it and squeeze it in there, but I don't think it would have been their best yeah, for their yeah, money situation. definitely broke the bank on that. Because they're, 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 what, pick six? Yeah. They can go ahead and draft Anthony Barr, you know, somebody who's going to be better than Anthony Barr. Josh Allen. Yeah, I think a lot of people have them taking Josh they Allen. They can take a because uh, they have interior right now. You know, Leonard Williams. They drafted him about three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they can draft a Montez Sweat, depending on. Yeah, I've seen a lot of depending that. on yeah. you know who's taken before this. They can go ahead and draft a. Uh, there's a lot of pass rushers. I mean, Montez Sweat right now and Josh Allen also got like. I wouldn't go Brian Burns so high or like a Cleveland Farrell so high. You can probably get them. At, they, could, they could go, uh, was it, Devin White? Devin White. They could, they could. He plays outside? It's a good question. I think, I think so. I think, so. I yeah. Think, yeah, yeah, he does. Like a Roquan Smith, yeah. I think he's like a Roquan Smith. So there's defense heavy right now. They can go ahead and get the best cornerback available at six. I don't know. You know what I mean? But the Jets are in a really good position right now. They haven't been one of these positions in a while. Todd Bowles isn't the coach, but it's Adam Gase. So it's like, damn, I kind of called for Todd uh, for Todd Bowles firing this year. Like, when will it come? Because what has he done? Mm-hmm. But, like, you're going to replace him with Adam Gase? Like, I would have rather see this team with Todd Bowles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if Adam Gase has it. Like, we, we tried to... To give him the benefit of the doubt in Miami. Offensive-minded. 
quarterback whisperer, Jay Cutler, all that, right? We, we, whatever. Listen, Adam Gase did nothing good for the Dolphins except help clearing locker room drama and building the start, I guess, of a new era culture in a sense, right? He kind of started the wave with J.H.I., Jarvis Landry. But winning on the field, he didn't do that. Beating his rivals, he wasn't too successful. He's gone for a reason. But he went to a rival. So I don't know if this fuels him. And now he has Sam Darnold. It's not uh, Brock Osweiler. It's not uh, Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill, And it's not Jay Cutler. So I'll be fair with that. He has Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold. Robbie Anderson. I mean, sometimes, yeah, sometimes... Just like how we say uh, players are, are a product of the system or certain players fit better in certain aspects, that's also the cases for some coaches. Some coaches need certain personnel to, to succeed. So maybe this is the personnel that he needs to show that he can coach in this league and he can show that he really is the whisperer and, and bring this team to their, their full potential. We'll see. Yeah. I guess the last free agent signing I wanted to get into was Nick Foles. Right? AFC South. They're, they're, he's, this is funny. The Jaguars just signed the best free agent quarterback on the market. And in my opinion, he's at a tie for worst quarterback in the division. Not in a disrespectful way, but just last, I guess. Last is a nicer word. Because you got Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson at two, Marcus Mariota, Nick Foles. He's definitely better than Marcus Mariota. Okay. Okay. It's not close? No, it's not close. And actually, I I would tie him with Deshaun Watson. Right now, would you rather have Marcus Mariota... As your franchise quarterback or Nick Foles? Nick Foles. And like I said, I would take it a step further. I would tie him with Deshaun Watson in that division. Luck is clearly first, <laughs> but I, I, I would take it a step further. I would tie him with Deshaun Watson. I'm trying to process it real quick, live on air, because what we saw with Deshaun Watson, rookie season, before he tears his ACL, he broke all the records he broke. He almost beat New England on the road. Uh, he was in talks for Rookie of the Year, obviously, and I believe he was in early talks for MVP. I'm still not sold. I'm still not sold. Now, now, Nick Foles, and, and my thing with Nick Foles is that I think he's a product of the system, right, where the Chip Kelly system worked for him. We saw him go 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, 2009, right? Mm-hmm. But we're talking 10 years ago. Remember that, one. Two, uh, how many inconsistent seasons and backup roles has he played in between these seasons? Well, after Philly, he went to, I believe it was the Rams with Jeff Fisher. But... I don't blame him for that because look how many quarterbacks have died under Jeff Fisher. Jared Goff is one of them. Now look at Jared Goff. 
Quarterbacks don't. Is Jared Goff a quarterback of the system? No, that's the that's the argument, and that's the argument I'm making with Nick Foles, right? I mean, so Marcus he found a he found a okay he found a, um, but not Deshaun Watson. That was so it's not Marcus Mariota because Marcus Mariota could be last. No, I'm saying quarterbacks that had to be under a Jeff Fisher. That okay, okay. That had to deal with a Jeff Fisher. But we've seen Marcus oh, wait, Mariota. No. Actually, I don't think no. I don't think Jeff Fisher was still in Tennessee when Marcus Mariota was drafted. Right, right, right. No, they weren't. He I was in uh, St. Louis. Yeah, I correct myself. But still, nonetheless, quarterbacks just don't typically don't do well under Jeff Fisher. That, but like I'm saying, that argument is Jeff, Jared Goff rookie year, horrible year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean McVay comes in, and they go to the playoffs. Now, step in Chip Kelly. Nick Foles doesn't go to the playoffs, but he has a damn good season. And then step in Jeff Fisher. He dies. Step in Doug Peterson, great quarterback coach, and he has a Super Bowl season. Sorry. He has a Super Bowl run from the last three games of the season into the playoffs. Right? So... What have we seen from Nick Foles throughout a, a whole NFL season to make us say, you know, I'd rather him right now than Marcus Mariota. Uh, when you when Marcus Mariota is in his fourth year, he's more athletic. He he's a smart quarterback. He hasn't never he's never had a great head coach. He's never had a quarterbacks coach. He's never had a great offense. He's never had a great defense. No, he has. Great defense. Great. The Titans have a great have since 2014. Okay, no, sorry, they've had a solid defense. Very solid. Okay, so Kevin he Byard. He has a great offensive line. Yes. Yes. To be getting hurt like that. And a great running game. You can agree that, yeah. Yeah, I can agree that, yeah. I just I just haven't seen enough. Mariota, Mariota always with me has like this. Supposed to be here, supposed to do this, mm-hmm. supposed to do that, but he doesn't. My thing is, is my only argument, because I agree with that, and I think Mariota uh, hasn't lived up to the hype that we thought he can. He's not playing like he did at Oregon. Like, if he was playing like he did at Oregon, what he was doing at Oregon was like Kyler Murray like in the sense of like perfection. Like, it was too easy for him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it looked like nobody could stop this guy. And then when they played Florida State in the Rose Bowl, it was crazy. They, they demolished Florida State. So it was like, all right, coming into the NFL, he was him and Jameis. And I think they chose Jameis before him, correct? Jameis went first. Because J- they said Jameis <laughs> they said Jameis was more pro style. That's that. And that's that. That FSU. Yeah, it was, he was more pro style. That of FSU. Quarterback, man. And then Marcus Mariota was was spread. Right. I think it. I think it like this. Nick Foles. We can look over ten years. And see what he's done in this National Football League. And there's nothing that steps out except for last season, or two seasons ago, when he came in week 15 for the Eagles and took them to through the playoffs because he didn't take them to the playoffs. They were already a playoff team. They had their MVP. Talking about last year? No, I'm talking about the Super Bowl season. Okay. They had they were already in the playoffs. They had a quarterback that was gonna win the MVP. And he took them through the playoffs and through Tom Brady. That was the greatest thing we've seen and is one of the greatest things we've seen in the NFL in history. But it was less than half of a season. 
over 10 years. Mariota is in his fourth year or going into his fifth year, I believe. And, you know, he has that offensive line. He has that run game. So he can still grow and he can still become, you know, a quarterback that we can say, is his career better than Nick Foles? Yes. Like he still has a chance for that. Yeah. So I don't know if Nick Foles now going back to Jacksonville and what they have. I don't know if they don't give him enough help as far as weapons like wide receivers. Hello. They just lost Dante Moncrief, who wasn't productive for them, but he was one of their roster spots. Um, they, they lost D.D. Westbrook last year with the injury. He's coming back. That's exciting. They have they lost Alan Hearns. They traded him to, to Dallas, correct? No, they, just, or, they, just, no, no, they, just lost they didn't re-sign him. Right. They didn't re-sign him. They didn't re-sign Who else him. is on that wide receiver court? Right now? Oh, uh, 84. Um, man, what's his name? 84. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I guess they, he was a big deal in, like, fantasy. Yeah, he was playing good. On the on the wall. Oh, my God. He was on, like, every waiver wire. That's not, that's not popping up in my head. We'll get to it, but I don't know. They, they're going to need Leonard Fournette to come and play the football that we knew him for, being the fourth overall pick. We're going to need him to not you know, be getting in sideline altercations, leading this team. We're going to need him to be a dominant force like he was in his rookie season to really, really help Nick Foles. This defense has a window. I don't think this defense is going to be this good for the next five years. I don't think this defense is going to be as strong as they are right now for the next four years, right? So Foles with this four-year deal is like a Super Bowl plan. He's not the franchise... Like, he's the franchise guy for now, for sure. Mm -hmm. But he ain't the long-term answer. Well, I mean, if if this defense can get back to even... A small amount to what they were. I mean, just just off defensive alone, they were in the AFC Championship game. Now they have a quarterback who's proven he can't get to the postseason. He can't win in the postseason. All he, you're right. All he needs is some weapons to throw to. But the defense, the pieces are still there. It's just for whatever reason, mentally or whatever, yep. they, they they just weren't right. So if they can get back to where they were when they went to the AFC Championship game. Because I'm sorry, but if you take Nick Foles and put it on that team that made it to the AFC Championship game, you're winning the Super Bowl. You're beating the Patriots and you're going to the Super Bowl. Do you think the Super Bowl. Nick F- <laughs> That's hard. Those, those what-ifs. Like, Blake Bortles had a solid game. It was, he literally was an overthrow away from the Super Bowl. One bad throw. But that's who Blake Bortles is. That's why he released. That's why he got released. Let's take some some time for the NBA before we get out of here. I wanted to get into this whole political stuff with James Dolan, Russell Westbrook, and the fan. Um, Basically, fans versus the NBA. Mm -hmm. Or NBA players versus the fans. And I guess we can talk about things that we'd like to see change if you want to. Um, maybe things that you think are good ideas to prevent things like this from happening or what good options as consequences 
whatever you want to get into, I just want to break it down as far as what happened. So with James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks, as Jamal, excuse me real quick, but Jamal Murray just, just put a mean crossover, I think on that Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh-huh. And hit a step back fadeaway three. So unnecessary, but so nasty. Back to James Dolan. That's since we're talking NBA. And now Luca's trying to put his move on real quick. Look, we getting caught up watching basketball, but this is what we do. Shot clock violation. Back to James Dolan. He's walking out of a game, post-game. The Knicks lost. What's new? There's a fan at the game, and he tells him, what's he chanting? Like, sell the team or something like that. No, I... this was, I think this was during the game. Like, they were sitting... Oh, it was during the game. Yeah, like, they were sitting down watching the game. So, a fan was sitting. I don't know how far he was sitting. Uh, I don't know if... I believe he was sitting, like, above him. And he yells down at Dolan, you should sell the team. Or sell the team. <laughs> which is true. Which is true. Hmm, but which is total opinion. Yeah. I mean, we've heard fans say worse. Right. So, what Clearly. happened? What happened? So then Dolan takes it upon himself to then have security remove this fan from the garden and takes it upon himself to basically ban this fan from the garden. That's sad, man. James Dolan is known for for these type of moves, these type of like... um, I have authority. I'm going to express it and show it moves. James Dolan, you remember when Charles Oakley got in a fight at the stadium, at the arena? Yep. He got into a fight with, like, security or whatever. And, I mean, nonetheless, like, I understand, you know, if somebody's getting into a fight, kick them out. You know, they shouldn't be there. Everybody might have a bad day, though. And especially a Knicks legend. You know, somebody that that was on your franchise, somebody that's well-respected in the arena, well-respected in New York City. And across the league. You're going to sit here and tell him that he can't return to the Garden where he goes to watch all the Knick games just because you say so and just because you can say so? To me, it's it's a little bit to do with race. You know, I think he, he feels he has that power and... And when he can't, like, say something or do something to, like, to win in another way, he'll just go with that route of, listen, I'm the owner here, right? Mm-hmm. I have the authority. And at the end of the day, what I say goes. And I don't think it's right. My thing is, was this fan, um, was he black? Was he white? What, what was he? Uh, I'm not sure. I want to say he was white. When I saw the video, I believe it looked like he was white. I, I just didn't yeah, know. So that, then it must be something where he just... It's power. The authority, yeah. The yeah, authority. It's, it's a, yeah. I mean, I think... And I always think it's the owner mentality. Yeah, I, I always think of like what LeBron said, that slave mentality. I mean, because it, mm-hmm. it really is. Because I think with, 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 with slavery, it had obviously a lot to do with race, but I think it had more to do with, with the power. And I think... That's you know we're we're seeing that a lot, and then obviously James Dolan, every chance he gets abuses his power, and it's just I know that I, I believe that the league has stepped in for less. I know it would kind of be hard for for them to step in now, 
but I'm not even a Knicks fan, but it's just hard to see one of the most historic franchises, not just in basketball, but in, in pro, sports, in pro yeah. sports. You play in... The Garden, I mean, basketball is the mecca in New York. The, New York City is the mecca of basketball. Like, and you play... Basketball in, runs yeah. through New York City. And you play in the most famous arena in the United States, the Garden. Like, you, you have the biggest boxing matches in the history of the world, and concerts and everything else have taken place yeah. in that arena where you play basketball on a regular basis. That's where you call home. And... I think that in order to prevent things like this further, I honestly believe that the league should go through a, I think you should say, like a review process or a uh, interview process. There has to be like guidelines. With, like Yeah, there has to be a review or interview process because the only reason that James Dolan is even the owner of the, of the Knicks is because of his father. And he just inherited the team. He has no business being an owner. He has, doesn't know what it takes to be an owner. He just has money and power, and that's what put him in this position. And so it's kind of like a Donald Trump situation, right? Yeah, and then the fans clearly are suffering from this. I think the league is suffering from this. Look, at, There's arguably no bigger market than New York. I mean, you could argue that's Los Angeles, but... New York is the mech. I mean, we see it in movies and everything all the time. When people have big dreams and aspirations, they want to go to New York. Yeah. New York is where it happens. But nothing's been happening in basketball for the last 10 years in New York. I mean, obviously, they went to the playoffs and they lost in the first round when the, you know, Carmelo Anthony and J.R. Smith. But that was like a special thing. They haven't had anything substantial, anything to really hold on to, um, and, and to, to, to hold later down the line in history to say, look, we did this. You know, like, they've literally just been in the news for bad news. They've been in the news for losing. All the time. They've had 17-game losing streaks throughout seasons. They, they, they make horrible signings like Joe Kim Noah. They make horrible decisions as coaches like Phil Jackson and how he ruined that organization for the last well no he wasn't coach he was he was i'm sorry uh president right yeah he was the president of the operations I yeah believe. he was like yeah something he like was that. running the show uh, it was one of the coaches he hired i forgot his name jeff hornison yeah <laughs> it's just so much you can go on a list and rant about with the knicks to make it worse the owner doesn't even like help out you know what i mean and that's why players don't want to go there. It starts from the head down, and that's what th things like this. See, we all we've been talking about it, mm -hmm. and you know we think these players are going to go there because they want to build their brand. It's New York, but to I personally would not want to play for an owner like that. And it's shown they've all. It's not just this year with the movement of KP and everything. It's not just this year that they've had two max spots. Right. They've had max spots before. They've had money before. But they can't bring the talent. Um, here's my thing. Say, the problem is that they're going for Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Everybody knows it. The problem with them is that they don't like the media like that. Both of them. I mean, Kevin Durant is a little more serious about this. I think I said this before. Kyrie's a little more negative and pessimistic about it. But they both, you know, always have something to say back uh, throughout interviews and stuff like that. So that's in Oklahoma City and Golden State. Right. That's in 
uh, Cleveland, Cleveland and Boston. And Boston. Like, we're not talking New York. The New me- York the, City. The mecca of... The mecca of uh, sports media. Yeah. New York Post. Like, listen. The Times. Odell Beckham had trouble with this. And he's great. And he likes talking to the media. <laughs> right? You can just... You can find yourself in a, in a bad spot doing the wrong thing in the New York light. And I don't know if Kevin Durant and or Kyrie Irving are built for that type of drama. My thing is, can they find a free agent or is somebody in the NBA even willing to take the role of, I'm a star player, but I'm going to basically put my owner out. You know, I'm going to kind of blow it, blow it up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of not tolerate this as a player. And if you want me, I'm a sign. But after I sign, y'all might hate me for this. Y'all, y'all still going to like my game. But I'm about to put this out, and and this this is this can't be happening in our league, right? If LeBron James was to go to New York, uh, the New York Knicks, he wouldn't put up with an owner like James Dolan. No, he'd be he'd be rebellious to to his deathbed. So I don't know. I mean, I would like to see a Kevin Durant even be that player. Like, can Kevin Durant just go and feel like, listen, I'm at the point in my career where it's no nonsense, right? Like, I'm here to ball, and Maybe he's like, listen, I don't appreciate, you know, the way this guy's doing. He just forces the owner to trade. You never know. I don't know if I'm looking at it in that aspect. Like, who can come in there and, and kind of do this? Because who's going to do it? Like, Adam Silver's not going to yeah, do it. I don't see anybody but a player like LeBron that would do that. Right. Me, I either. Think, Me either. Because I think that KD has shown he's uh, anti-controversial. That too. That too. And, and Kyrie is just... Is not so much anti-controversial, but he's just doesn't. He's like, I just don't want to deal with it. Like, it's just not. It's I not just, my business. Yeah, it's not my business. I can just go elsewhere. Just let somebody else deal with that. It's not my business. I don't know, man. I, I I don't think it's fair. I hope that fan got like somebody to talk. I don't know who he would even talk to about that. <laughs> like, who do you go to when the owner of the team kicks you out of his arena? You have to take it up with the league. So I go to the NBA and, and file a complaint. I'll be like, listen, yeah. this all I, I don't think this is the last we've heard. I think Adam Silver is going to step in. I don't know to what degree or to the extent, but I definitely think he's going to step in because you can't you can't have this. Right, listen, we're going to throw in season tickets next year. How about that, buddy? <laughs> and they get Kevin Durant and Kyrie. That'd be lit. <laughs> Let's talk about Russell Westbrook, though. What what happened the other day was. What is really going on in this world, really? And it was exposed because the NBA, if you want exposure, you make light and noise in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You're going to be seen across the world, right? Whether you're a player, whether you're a fan streaking on the court, whether, you, like, whether you're an announcer making an outlandish call like my boy Jeff Van Gundy talking about trade LeBron possibly. That's another story for another day. Um, the NBA is going to bring you a lot of attention, right? So I'm not sure if people are going to stop. I don't want to word it like that. I want to know how this can be stopped or prevented. You know, you got guys in the crowd who think they're tough guys because players in the league can't do anything. You're on TV, you're on camera, you can clearly 
dismantle most of the arena if you want to with your size and strength. Um, and it's not the smart thing to do. You're a role model. You know, people are looking up to you. You're, you're making millions of dollars. Your career's on the line. Your name is on the line to retaliate to somebody who's telling you something that you're taking personal. But at what point as a human can you take something being told to you uh, that's personal and disrespectful, but you just have to kind of leave it alone and and live with it, right? Like, these guys aren't rappers and, and like, you know, stand-up comedians, which I understand, like, you still should respect everybody as a human, but you literally came to the arena to see this guy put on a show. Mm-hmm. You came here because you feel like your team can beat his team, right? You know what Russell Westbrook does. He's a great... Um, and you're going to come to the arena and, and start talking shit and start talking like, what was the quote? He said something about getting on his knees. He said, get on your knees like you used to. Like. And his, then his wife proceeded to say the same thing. So now your girl's talking, right? And for one, that's like when you when you growing up as a kid, maybe in your neighborhood and the girl of the group is talking. And it's like, damn, I can't handle you the same way I would handle my friend, my homeboy, mm. you know? Um, or just any any given woman on the street talk to you reckless. You know you can't do nothing. She know you can't do nothing, right? But the man's talking reckless because he knows you can't do nothing because you're a professional athlete with millions of dollars and a career on the line. And if you cross a line that you would forever regret crossing that's on you just because I said some words to you but it's not just some words you're being racist one you're talking about the man's family you're talking about his background you're talking about him himself you know what I mean and then your wife is gonna do it and y'all think it's cool and I'm sure they weren't even the only two in the in the, in the crowd literally doing it right well I mean Russell Westbrook said Every time he comes to Utah, it's something, and this isn't the first time because we heard about we this saw it in the playoffs. We, we right? heard about the, yeah, we heard about this last year. Yeah, Utah. In and the it place. Was in a, yeah, and it was in it was in Utah. Rightfully so. Uh, the Utah Jazz is a franchise band. This man, lifetime permanent uh, from the arena. I'm not sure if it's only basketball, but I heard I've heard that it's like he can't even go in the arena for concerts or anything. People were like, imagine being banned for from the only thing to do in Utah, <laughs> like stuff like that. But it shows, man, like, I don't think, a, I mean, a ban is enough. It is enough because you're going to avoid the problem whatsoever from happening again. If the man finds trouble, it's not the NBA's fault, right? It's not anything in their business to do. You're not going to go and, and, like, arrest him for a hate crime for talking. It's just the wrong thing to do. And it just shows you that America is still in a bad place as far as this racial injustice. Like, It's down to the fact that when we're talking shit in sports, we got to pull the race car. We got to bring the race car. Like, I've never been on a basketball court. And, like, I can't say never. Like, I've heard, you know, like, white boy, the term white boy or something like that, but never in a derogatory term, never like, you trash, you're white. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, yo, he could shoot. White boy could shoot. You know he could shoot. He's a white boy. You know what I'm saying? It's never like that. It's never like... This is because how we were raised and brought up like 
the, the right. And it's regardless if I'm using it, regardless if it's what I'm hearing. You never hear, you know, some derogatory racist term against a black kid. Like, what are you saying right now? Like, why? Why are you even here? Like, ninety percent of the NBA is black like, or that might be a high number but you get what I'm saying like mm-hmm. you you that's how you feel but you're here you spending money on like on, on us you know what I mean so yeah not to mention no that sense. you have black people on the basically the team that you're coming to, to cheer for like bro your best player is black your best player you could have told what you told Westbrook to Donovan Mitchell yeah so what are you saying right now like you when you fight with somebody, you're supposed to fight to where when when what they say when you say something about someone, they can't be like, well, yeah, that's true about my team too, right? Like you're not gonna be like, yo, y'all boys fat and you got a fat homeboy. Like what you saying, bro? Like you trying your man's? Like how you gonna? It doesn't make no sense, dog. So I don't know, man. I'm glad he got banned. It was the wrong thing to do from the Utah Jazz ended up interviewing him after the game on the floor asking him how it went down basically got his perspective on it he's like i didn't say a swear word i didn't say a swear word and he tried to use the whole uh you know once you bring my wife into it you know that's wrong she's like five three hundred thirty pounds soaking wet something like that like bro we know what y'all was doing but I did want to talk about Westbrook. You know, did he cross the line on what he said? I do think so, right? You know, I do think he went a little far in letting him get to his head because at the end of the day, he is a professional. He is making millions of dollars. You're right. going to hear something like that. You've seen dudes in the crowd flick you off before. You've seen, you know, little incidents that you've had throughout your career to build you to this moment. You've been on camera. You've cursed out media members. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, know, that you, you know that this, you know, hit... A personal personal spot right but you still could have kept your cool and just listen I'm not saying he's wrong for it mm-hmm. I'm not saying that how he reacted is like why did he do that it's more of was he wrong generally speaking yes I mean he's telling a fan that he'll F him up and his wife like that's pure anger you yeah, know what I mean that's yeah. pure pure um, like he's not thinking straight he's just being disrespected and as a man he, he feels like Yo, I'm not going to let you just talk to me like this. The worst thing I can do is tell you this right now. I can't do anything physical to you or her. Like, so I'm going to just go ahead and tell you this real quick. I'm pissed. Did he cross the line? Yes. The NBA agreed. They fined him $25,000. How do you feel about that? I mean, he clearly knew he was in the wrong. I mean, he said it when they interviewed him uh, in the locker room. Uh, and, you know, he explained himself and he explained, you know, what happened. And he clearly knew who was wrong, especially when he, you know, when he said it to his wife as well. Right. He, he said, you know, I've never been one for domestic violence. I don't condone it. He goes, never have, never will. He goes, that's not me. He go, and he clearly acknowledged that he just, you know, he's human. And he right. just got to the point where when you attack him right. and his integrity, you attack, you know, him as a man but, and his family and his kids. He said he just gets to a point. He goes, and he, and he said, he goes... He goes, I probably, you know, shouldn't have went that far. He mm-hmm. goes, but he goes, if I was put back in that same situation, he goes, I do it all again. He goes, absolutely. He goes, because any chance that when you attack, he said, my son, my wife, you know, my family. And he goes, I'm going to defend them every time. Yeah. And think about this, like, 
like you said, he acknowledged everything he did was wasn't the right thing to do. But think about this: you go to an NBA game and it's supposed to be like a spectacle, right? Like it's televised. You know, there's they're professional athletes. They're young kids. Some of them, some of them are all time greats. And you you spend your hard earned money that you worked for. Maybe your parents did. But at the end of the day, you got scenarios where you're seeing guys at their worst uh, temperament, at their worst anger times. I don't know how to word that, but you're seeing guys when they're at their worst, you know what I'm saying, in a dark moment where they shouldn't be. Like Westbrook, where he was exposed to that fan and he retaliated saying, I will F you up and your wife. Totally the wrong thing to say. But the fact that you got, Westbrook is out here getting paid the ball and somebody's making him feel like that, right? Like... There's been times where you might argue with your woman, you might argue with your brother, or your sister, and they've seen you at your worst, right? You've said something that you really don't mean. You've said something that that you probably shouldn't have said. It might have hurt. It might have hurt them, but you was just you. You're there. That's some person you're really close to. Like this is a fan. Yeah. It's just a fan who's saying something to make Russell Westbrook feel like he needs to tell him he's gonna f him up and his wife. He don't care. He don't give a f. Like, yeah. Why is he even? Why should he even have to feel that? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, when Jalen Rose was on first take and they were talking about, it, I think he he said it perfectly. You know, it's real when you know somebody's using the words "I promise." <laughs> on, on, on everything, I swear, like yeah, Jalen Rose is funny. Yeah, he's like, you know, you really, you on know, everything. Yeah, he's like, I when people, said, I promise. Yeah, he's like, when people say stuff like that, then you know, you it's, know it's real. That's a fact. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, obviously, I don't condone it. I know you don't condone it. You know, there's no situation ever. That you should put your hands on a woman, whether she's, you know, attacking you verbally, physically. There's just no, I just don't ever see any situation where it's condoned to, you know, put your hands on a woman. But at the same time, I will say in the heat of the moment, you know, you don't got time to think. You're in the middle of a game. Like you said, you're in the middle of a game. You're playing. And you're in game mode. Like, you're not thinking this situation's going to come up. Like, you're not thinking. And I'm just pretty sure, you know, I know I've had instances where I've had to deal with racism. I'm pretty sure you, I know you have. I'm pretty sure Russell Westbrook has, mm-hmm. you know, out, outside of, the, you know, the NBA, outside of, you know, the arena and, you know, things like that. So when it just initially happened, he probably just got so off guard that it's one of those things where, like, he, you know, the gentleman came at him, you know, the way he did. And then it's like his wife basically came at him as aggressive and as assertive as he was. Yeah. So when you have two people come at you like that, your first initial reaction, you know, you just, if you're coming at me that aggressive, then my first I'm coming, right back. I'm coming right back at you as aggressive. For sure. So like he said, obviously he doesn't condone domestic violence. I don't think he ever would. He was just, you know, and he acknowledges it, it was heat of the moment because you, you don't expect that. To, to deal with that at, exactly. your, at your job at, at your a basketball job. game you don't expect to deal with that at your 9 to 5 imagine the NBA I want to get into this last clip of the day Westbrook's finest moment on camera and it wasn't on the court what 
what are you talking about, man? Well, I'm out, man. That nigga's tripping. <laughs> We're going to end it at that. That's season two, episode 21. Episode 22 is going to be next week. There's going to be more free agent signings. There's going to be more NBA playoff push news. There's about 15 games left. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Twitter, ATS Pod. On Instagram, official ATS Pod. I said I'm robbing these niggas, ain't got no mask on. I did what you couldn't do, I got a backbone. Oh yeah, I'm taking they bags, ain't got no mask. And when it comes to this cash, I need it back. I'ma take they money with no mask. Money with no mask. Money with no mask on. I'ma take they money with no mask. Money with no mask. Money with no mask on. 50 mil, 60 mil, 90 mil, just on the field. But no, this not a slave deal. I'ma make them open up and say, I'm just doing what I gotta do to get me paid. No, we not breaking no rules. I got a stone on you fools. I'm working, don't need no tools. They wanna do what I do. Money is making me roll. I see that I'm in the news. And they not signing me back, but they gotta pay for it too. I gotta stay on the move. I gotta stick it and move. I'm only gon' speak the truth My diamonds fresh out the pool I know that my bed is boom You wanna do what I do I don't think you got a clue They got control over you hey, They don't want you at the table They gonna put you through some bullshit if they able They gonna work you and work you and underpay you I told them fuck it, I'm out, he just like a navel I said I'm robbing these niggas, ain't got no mask on I did what you couldn't do, I got a backbone Oh yeah, I'm taking they bags, ain't got no mask And when it comes to this cash, I need it back I'ma take they money with no mask Money with no mask, money with no mask on I'ma take they money with no mask Money with no mask, money with no mask on 50 mil, 60 mil, 90 mil, just on the field, but no, this not a slave deal. I'ma make them open up the safe, I'm just doing what I gotta do to get me paid.